today all us do by our presence here and by our celebrations in other parts of our country and the world confer glory and hope to newborn liberty. Out of the experience of an extraordinary human disaster that lasted too long, must be born a society of which all humanity will be proud. Our daily deeds as ordinary South Africans must produce an actual South African reality that will reinforce humanity's belief in justice. Welcome cryptic fans to another episode of The Author's Journey. This episode is dedicated to freedom in honor of National Freedom Day in South Africa, where we celebrate 26 years of freedom from apartheid. The speech you heard was from former President Nelson Mandela, talking about how many have fought for our freedom to express ourselves. Check out my latest blog on the topic for more details. But on to the task at hand. This episode was so nice, we had to do it twice. I sent out word to my close-knit fan base, and when I say close-knit, is a euphemism for tiny. Anyway, the fans responded. Over the next two weeks, you will hear the fans interview me, and I will provide you honest answers to the questions about me and my author's journey. Now, without further delay, on to the questions. Cheesecake Demon from Midrand, South Africa asked, What bad advice have you been given about starting a podcast? Hmm. Nothing thus far. Everyone has given me pretty good advice to date, but the key is that it's just advice. It's still up to me to choose what I will and won't use, what I take and what I discard. So the podcast has to feel like it's mine and I own it. It can't be someone else's idea of what the podcast should be. That way you'll attract your tribe, as a friend of mine always says. So I hope that answers your question, Cheesecake Demon. Bruno from Midrand, South Africa asked, How many copies of The Coward have you sold to date? Well, hell if I know. But thanks for putting them in the spot, Bruno from Midrand. The sales figures are reported on a quarterly basis, and the first quarter ends now at the end of April. So the details of that report will be issued in the next few days. However, if I have to guess, I believe I've probably sold around about 50 copies so far. But if you want me to act like a publicly listed company and issue my results on sales online, well, then you'll have to make a formal request for that, Mr. Bruno. But I appreciate the question, and thank you, and holler back at Midrand in South Africa. So some interesting questions so far from the fan base, but uh, we're going to be turning up the heat. Uh, some of these questions are quite scary, so I do apologize if I'm subject to thinking a little bit about what I'm doing. Answering these on the fly, no preparation just um, taking a crack at them, as they would say. Right. Dane from Randburg, South Africa asked, Where do you get your inspiration from? Well, Dane, I get my inspiration from everywhere. I love watching movies, television, reading books, going on adventures with friends, 
and I have the most vivid imagination. My brain just finds associations in everything that I come across. So I'd see a beautiful brunette woman in glasses at an airport and think to myself, this could be Alyssa Sinclair, international assassin for hire. Her target is Muhammad Abdul, the international terrorist leader. And yeah, you get the idea. Once I have that little hint there, my brain just run through, runs through the scenarios and I daydream. I did this in class, although I was a top achiever, so I wasn't one of those bad daydreamers that didn't get the work or job done. Um, so that's what really happens in my mind. I do this all the time. I live stories out in my head. Uh, stories from various mediums feed that inspiration. And as a kid, I mentioned in a previous podcast, I used to act out the various scenes, um, whatever they may be. As an adult, I'm embarrassed to say, but quite proud at the same time, that I still act out those imagine, imaginings. So there's amazing scenes where I believe I'm a third century warrior braving against the Scots in a medieval battle, and I'll pull out my sword and do air fighting as I stab the enemy through the heart um, and curse the name of the heathens, etc., so just interesting ways just to play around with the imagination, ways to cultivate it. You can find it. The more you feed that inspiration, the more things come up as you go along in your day-to-day -day life. So hopefully that answers your question. I find my inspiration from everywhere. It's as simple as that. Hmm, that question was juicy. Thank you, Dane. Hmm, let's get into these things. All right, so Thurston from Boxburg, South Africa asks, how do you get your structure for your books? Where does the idea for your characters and their backstories come from? Ooh, okay. Give me a sec. Give me a sec. So the ideas for stories come from things I think that are cool. For example, I had a dream once where people could travel through parallel universes through reflective objects. So when I woke up, I wrote the idea down and I was pretty fascinated with it. So I thought, okay, Who's going to be the character? Who's the main character? I asked myself that question. The next thought I had was, okay, who best would be able to tell this story? And then I thought, what about a loner who's in love with this girl? And he stalks this girl. And one day he builds up the courage to go over to the counter and ask her out. She flat out rejects him just because he's so weird and creepy. He doesn't have the background. His family died. He was adopted. He went into foster care. Um, people have always left him his whole life. You know, he's got one of those rough lives. And now here's his last ditch effort at human connection and she rejects him. Okay, so he's a little depressed now. He goes home, he gets ready and just feeling miserable about life on a rainy day, he decides he's going to commit suicide. And as he goes about committing suicide, he's thinking about this girl that he's in love with and has just rejected him, he sees a reflection, and somehow, some way, um, given that reflective surface, he dies in his imagining. Except the next day, he wakes up in a completely different bed, in a beautiful villa, off in the countryside. Wealthy-looking villa, that, by that. And the girl that wakes up next to him is this dream girl. He can't believe it. What's going on? He jumps out of bed and is crazy, you know, he's losing his mind. He goes into the mirror. He sees that he's still him. He looks the way he is, but just differently dressed. She gets up, um, him and the girl, and it's his wife, and she's so happy with him. 
and they make love in the morning and she goes off to work and what a beautiful happy setting happily ever after except as he's getting ready um, one of his friends wives arrives at the villa and she throws herself at him now he rejects her and she's very confused why are you rejecting me honey we've been seeing each other for this entire time the whole year what's different about today and he says no i'm married to this girl and she says yeah we've been married to her for a while now but our affair's been going on i know you don't love her and now we get to play with this character living his best life the version that he's always wanted and even so this version of him is cheating on the girl of his life what to do what to do and the plot thickens dum da da dum as you can tell there's enough juice there for us to build a very nice backstory a very nice plot you can take that and structure the story out from there and decide what it is that you want to reveal about the story what's the theme what's the main purpose what's the ultimate thing that's going to happen now it's all like a puzzle piece that you have to put together and that's how writing really is and i really love this investigative part about putting the different pieces together okay you need to keep asking yourself questions about your characters and about the story until you start to see it in your head come together and what you want to do is challenge yourself to choose the weirdest and most unique versions of the story to make it so interesting you don't want to have it cliched you know he's having an affair for the sake of having an affair because of a power dynamic because he's insecure you don't want to have that but maybe you want to pull in some of the correlated themes the depression uh, follows you regardless of whether you're sad loner or rich and happily married and you could play with that theme what happens then again you know how does this unfold what if he wants to go back to his life he realizes his own specific life was really actually good there's a lot of themes you can draw out there and so that's a way for you to clearly see um and structure a story now i haven't had the full structure out here because you'd need to sit down and plan and and go through the motions and the hard work of doing that but hopefully i've given you first an insight into how to start the process that's what i would do great ooh yeah i'm having fun how about you guys all righty so stan from santon south africa asked what motivates you to keep writing despite the relatively few number of very successful writers and the few books that sell beyond a few hundred ooh okay that's a good question it's a great question so for me there's a spectrum of no book sold all the way to the other side which is international bestseller and award winner so all writers fit in that continuum somewhere anyone can move along that continuum if they are willing to do the hard work required to move along that continuum so that said what motivates me to keep writing given the fact of not many see great success there's very few that see you know international renown etc hmm. well as a teenager i did want money fame and all the beautiful women that come with that fame i was seeking acceptance while trying to find myself as a young man and a lot of that youthful ignorance filtered into adulthood so you grow up and you see other people have certain lifestyles and you want that lifestyle and you see that authors have that lifestyle and you think hey 
maybe I could as well. So Hunter Thompson had something similar. He was a swashbuckling, drug-fiending, hedonist of a, of, a, of a man and a fantastic author. And you think, wow, what about living your life to the fullest like that? Oh, so after having done some growing up, if you ask me what motivates me, I think the key is actually putting out a great story that others can enjoy. That's why I started telling my family and friends stories in the first place. Somewhere along the line, I lost track of that. There's this feeling, and I hope you can hear it in my voice as I express it on this podcast. There's this feeling. It's a magical feeling. I don't know how else to describe it. The word is magic. That a story transports you completely and wholly out of your current existence, out of your reality. There is no work. There is no anxiety. There is no COVID-19. There is no struggle and pressure. There is only the story in front of you in that moment. The love of a beautiful girl. The thrill of international spying and espionage. The, the, the excitement and the danger of the battlefield. In that moment, you escape completely. And so many brilliant authors, directors, producers have given me that gift. I'm hoping that I could put something together and give back and also put that gift out there. That's, that'd be the goal. If someone ever came up to me and said, you know, your stories helped me escape for a few hours, then I'd know I've achieved my purpose. That's, that's what I want to do because that's what these people have done for me. I hope that, I hope that answers the question. Ooh, hmm, juicy questions. On to the next. So Claire from Benoni asked two questions. So I'm going to deal with that in turn. So question number one, what was the one thing that you got to finally write and get yourself published? Okay, so I've always been writing and I've always said I would publish a book since the age of about 13. So I've been writing, I've never not been writing. That answers the first part. What got me to finally get published? Hmm. I think that was frustration. So the story haunted me, it haunted my thoughts, it haunted my dreams. I wanted to get it out there, but I always felt as though it wasn't ready. There was something missing. So at some point, though, I just got fed up and just published it with the thing missing. I don't know what the thing was. I didn't figure it out. And I don't know if I fully honored my art, but there has to be a balance. So one of my most recent podcast uh, episodes addressed this. So check out now podcast number eight, what to expect after you become an author. I go into the depths around what I was feeling and that, that, that cycle, the loop that you get stuck in as an author, where you're just constantly improving your work, constantly improving your work without ever any actually getting anywhere. It really isn't helpful. So I'd highly recommend listening to that one. I think it addresses the answer a little bit more fully. Claire's second question, what was the first piece of writing you remember from your childhood? So I've got way too many stories that I actually wrote throughout childhood to remember them all. But the one that comes to the fore of my mind is my self-proclaimed masterpiece. This is my Game of Thrones, my Harry Potter, the Lord to my rings. It's the Wheel of Time series, my masterpiece. It is written about the Razdun, 
a sci-fi scientific advanced species of aliens that are similar to the human race but just more advanced and I effectively don't have the skills to write that book or write that story and I realized that very early as I was going through the process of plotting it out and writing it so I'm not at liberty to say what happens in that story because I know Siri is out here recording all of this uh, scrubbing the internet uh, I had a scary scary recollection of someone telling me that Siri and Alexa can now and Google can now um, hear podcasts so I don't want my stories out there in the in the in the Twitterverse in 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 the social spheres on the interwebs just yet until I release it so hang in there for one day when you when I publish that masterpiece so bear with me but that, that piece, the Razdun, you've heard it here for the first time in international settings other than to close friends and family. Um, the Razdun I've been writing since childhood on and off from about the age of 13. Mid, midway through my 13th year, I started writing that story. So by the time I publish it, I think it will make quite a good, a good, a good story, a good backstory for, for the work. So yeah, thanks, thanks Claire for those two questions. You sent me back down memory lane. Throwback, throwback Thursdays up in there. Kate from Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, asked, "When did you know your book was ready? Like when you decided it was time to publish?" Jeez, jeez, Kate. Um, <laughs> very good question. Give me a sec. Okay, I never feel like my work is ready. I've mentioned that in in, in the previous answers. And that's why it took five years to publish. Now I hear this is a common phenomenon among authors. You take a really long time to write your first novel and then it gets a little bit easier. But I think the key is that you have to draw a line in the sand and just tell yourself to stop and call it on the sixth or seventh or eighth or ninth or tenth draft and say, this is it now. I need to get this thing out. And that's exactly what I've done uh, when I can. Um, you need to say to yourself and give yourself that permission to say it's as good as it's going to be. It could be better, but this is this is perfect. This is fine. And just publish the thing. So I will caution authors about the publishing process, both traditional and self-publishing. You need to do your research so that you don't get caught off guard like I was. Um, so that's a big there's a big warning there. Please heed the warning. Do yourself a favor as an author. But also, I mean, just publish the thing as well. I think there's a lot of things that you're going to learn along the way and you will fall in love with the work and your first work, like your first love, won't be the greatest and you're going to get better and improve. If you look at authors like the greats, the Hemingways and, and the Kafkas and the Prousts, all of their first works were not that great. And I'm not talking about their first acclaimed works which is what we often see in the, in, the, in the literary syllabus. I'm talking about their first, first things that they put out. So go look at Kafka's original essays from the student days. You know what I mean? Go look at Hemingway's early works before he was Hemingway. You will see that the guys had some way to go to become the authors that they were going to be. So hang in there. It's not all doom, doom, and, doom and gloom. Ooh, here's a goodie. Janice from Boxburg, South Africa asked, have you ever experienced writer's block? If you have, what do you do to move past it? 
Janice, I've never experienced writer's block. I have way too many amazing story ideas in my head. I suffer from a lack of discipline though. And I haven't quite figured how to get past that completely. But if I did, I would be pumping out books like a bookmaking factory. If you're struggling with writer's block, you can try a few things based on the research that I've done. You can try free writing. That's where you just start writing about anything. Don't stop the exercises about keep writing. Don't worry about mistakes. Just keep going until you fill the complete page. That will loosen the brain up and get you into the, into the mojo. Or you can try the what if game. Just keep asking yourself what if and then writing down the answers and then saying what if next, whatever happens next, what if next. Or you can ask for help. There's many authors and there's a lot of research and articles out there online. Just Google how to overcome writer's block. I'll put a few in the links in the description below. You can also take a break. Sometimes it's just that you all write it out, right? Get away, take a break, do something fun, live life. Alternative is you can also meditate. So what is your why? Get back to the fun of why you're trying to write. And it's not that serious. There's a lot of things that you can do to work your way in and around the different topics out there. If you struggle with discipline, you can create a schedule. You know, just book the same time every day to do whatever it is that you need to do. You can start small, so don't overcommit your time. Maybe start with 10 minutes, even five minutes, really small, and build up over time. Once you've done your committed writing time, then reward yourself. So these are all tips around building a sustainable habit. You know, there's Plenty of practices out there. Uh, you can read Charles de Higgs' The Power of Habit. Fantastic book. My goodness. Around habits. So highly recommend that book. There is an article I have. Check out my blog with more details around uh, the key points around building a sustainable writing practice. Really, really helpful stuff in there as well. So you can check that out. Hope that answers your question. Boom. Last question for this week. Craig N. from Wendywood, South Africa, asks, How do you develop a good reading habit, especially for people who either don't have the time or find it difficult to concentrate? Oh man, Craig, I feel you in this one. I don't have the time these days and I find it hard to focus just because of the demanding job that I have. So the question is, what are you reading? And if it's something that interests you, I find that you will make the time. So I find where there's a book that I can't put down, you are reading way into the late hours of the night and you're waking up the next day really tired as if you've got a hangover and you're partying all night with some friends. Like the old days um, of university or early working career. That's all you did. You partied until 2, 3 in the morning and then hit work. That is something as a person in their 30s I cannot do. That's not for me anymore, right? So, but if that is not something that helps and it still you still struggle, um, what you can do is set an alarm. You can ask family and friends to help you. You can schedule it in your diary. You can also get a whole bunch of these different apps that switch off your internet on your phone or actually on your actual router at home. And that will prevent you from binging Netflix or doing anything else with the time. And then you use that time to read whatever it is that you need to read. So pick something that's interesting to you, block the time out, tell everyone about it so they leave you alone and then get down to it. Also, less is more again. 
it's better to be consistent with your reading schedule. So rather have only 15 minutes of reading time that you can stick to every single day than try to schedule two hours that you never commit to because it's such a burden in your, in your schedule. I mean, we can all find 15 minutes, but it was going to be a struggle for some of us to find two hours. Also, what I found is really helpful is for you to read between your smoke breaks on the toilet, in between meetings, when you're waiting in the line somewhere to queue, whatever it is. So there's all this time that we spend wasting idly where we then go to things like Twitter or Instagram and scroll through to see what's happening with other people. Rather than doing that and giving them our attention and time, why don't you feed into your own, own mind by putting in good information into your head? And that's by reading good books. And that's why I prefer my Kindle. I know a lot of people love carrying the actual physical book. But with my Kindle, I'm in queues at the DMV. That's the Department of Motor Vehicles in America. To us, it's Department of Home Affairs, whatever. There's a whole bunch of places. It doesn't matter which queue you're in. You could pull out your Kindle and start reading. That's often what I do when I'm waiting around. Now, that's our time for this week. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, like it, and share it with others who could benefit from it. If you would be so kind, please leave a review on Apple, Google, Spotify, or any other platform of your choice. You can connect with me on my socials. TheRealGaryKhan.com is my website. RealGaryKhan is the Instagram handle. Mundane Entropy is my Twitter handle. You can check me out on Facebook as well on The Real Gary Khan. So find me on those places, connect with me, and tell me um, what uh, answer was most interesting to you in this episode. What did you like? What did you like to hear more of? Maybe you have a question for me. Let's see if I'll add it to the questions that I answer next week. I'm looking forward to it, Cryptic fans. So holler back at your boy. And as usual, stay safe, stay home, and get to reading. And always stay writing. And auf Wiedersehen.